Welcome back to another edition of the Wide Open Podcast. Yes, it's been a while. I've been on a little hiatus. I've had a lot of really busy stuff going on with District 37 and personal life. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, I just uh, was so busy that I had kind of put the, the Wide Open Podcast on the back burner. But I was out at the Hilt, or, I'm sorry, Lost Cody Sprint Enduro, and I had a rider single me out, a random rider who I hadn't met before, and he told me that he'd listened to all of the podcasts, and he said, you have to keep doing these podcasts. This is my therapy when I'm not racing. So uh, I'm sorry I don't remember your name. You told me, but if you're listening, this is for you. Uh, thank you very much for inspiring me to get the, get off my lazy ass and sit down and and do another podcast. So as always is the case with the Wide Open Podcast, we want to start off by thanking our sponsors. When we first started doing the Wide Open Podcast, we had uh, like two sponsors. And the Wide Open Podcast has really become kind of a District 37 podcast. We say that we talk about everything that's West Coast racing, and we do. But uh, let's be honest, this is really uh, really about District 37 racing. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of the sponsors that make it possible for the different series that operate in District 37 to continue doing what they do. So let's run down the list of the sponsors of District 37. Uh, first off, huge, huge, huge shout out to Kenda Tires. Kenda Tires is a huge sponsor of both uh, the Big Six series and the I'm sorry. Listen, we have a very uh, we have a very official type of podcast studio right here. So my wife walks in and has to see what it is that I'm doing. My wife, Lisa Nassif, the GP steward, she hears me talking, so she's got to come walk in here and see what I'm doing. So I completely got distracted. Lisa, say hi. Hi, everyone. Okay, now <laughs> go away so I can keep doing what hi. I'm doing. <laughs> We're very professional here at the Wide Open Podcast in the professional Wide Open Podcast studios, a.k.a. the spare room in my house. So let's get to, back to our sponsors. Kenda Tires. Kenda Tires is a huge sponsor of both the Big Six GP Series and the new Sprint Enduro Series. They've given us a lot of love. If you, uh, if you walked away with a, with a free set of tires at the last Sprint Enduro, that is 100% the compliments of Kenda Tires. SRT, Rad Custom Graphics, Flow Vision, Photos by Grumpy, Gailey's Tees, uh, Fly Gear, T TM Bikes, GPR, Hammer Nutrition, Three Brothers KTM. I'm a big fan of Three Brothers KTM. I'm riding Hondas right now, but I do have KTMs and Husqvarna's in my garage that both came from Three Brothers. Parts Unlimited, PCI Radios, X-Brand Goggles, Kelly Yancey Motocross School, Megla Designs, Focus, Date, Destry Abbott Training, Dirt Bike Magazine, the KC66 Foundation, Bell Helmets, and the list goes on and on. I'm sorry, TBT Suspension. I've got TBT on all of my bikes. I, you know, you get a hold of Tuner, that's the guy. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Phoenix Handlebars. I haven't run those things on my on my bike yet. Um, I want to go talk to the guy at the next round. So if you're going out to 29 Palms in a couple of days, they'll be there. Go check that stuff out. I'm going to check it out too, see if it's something that works for my bike. You never know. It might be that one little thing that makes the difference in your riding. Okay. Lots of stuff that's happened since the last time we did a podcast. Lots of races, lots of stuff happening within District 37. I think we did the last podcast that we did was shortly after the uh, Hilltoppers round of the Sprint Enduro Series. Uh, we all know that one was epic. Uh, from then till now, we've had a whole handful of races. Uh, 
you know, I think we from there we moved on to the SoCal GP. SoCal GP was even bigger than the, than in years past. Uh, SoCal, you know, I'm a member of the club, so I'm intimately involved with what happens with that race, and SoCal just knocked it out of the park. Um, I didn't have anything to do with the course layout this year, and they decided to switch it up and run the course a different direction. That the riders really seemed to love it. We had a smaller footprint inside the inside the stadium than we have in, in years past. Uh, riders seem to enjoy that. And listen, the Atlanta Grand Prix uh, is what it is. It has it has just grown into something that is one of those things that you absolutely have to be at. Uh, and this year was the same as as any other year. There may have been some rumors uh, floating around that uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta Grand Prix would not be uh, hosted by SoCal MC in 2020 and would not be a District 37 race. I can tell you from my personal knowledge, that's not true. SoCal MC will be hosting the Atlanta Grand Prix next year. It will, that will be a District 37 SoCal MC Big Six race. So that's all. That's good news for the District 37 rider. Um, DMC uh, followed that. DMC, uh, I raced DMC. I, I'm I'm humbled to say that I couldn't couldn't complete the race, uh, D, but DMC lived up to its billing. It was uh, it was what you would expect from a DMC Heron Hound. Uh, first loop was was great. Uh, as far as I made it in second loop, it was also great. It's everything you would expect from a Heron Hound. And now is the point where my memory is going to fade and I'm going to forget about the rest of the races. Um, the RHR Golf Tournament, that thing got rained out. We've had tremendous rain this year, rain that we haven't seen. I can't remember the last time we saw this much rain. So it's, it's been tough for some races, but it's also been great for the desert. The desert racing has been awesome. Um, so the RHR Golf Tournament was postponed. Uh, I, I haven't heard any rumors as to when they're going to reschedule it, but when I do, you'll hear about it here on the Wide Open Podcast. Uh, then we moved on to the Dirt Diggers Grand Prix. Dirt Diggers Grand Prix was awesome. Um, those guys always do a great job with their race. Uh, the, the dirt was epic. It had rained leading up to the race. Uh, we raced, a, you know, I raced a few races out there myself, and it was just phenomenal. They had they had great turnout. The, the Big Six Grand Prix Series is still enjoying tremendous turnout. Those guys are doing a phenomenal job with what it is they're doing and really attracting a lot of riders and making those things interesting races and fun races for for the whole family to show up and go race um, after that we had the district 37 awards banquet i was i've just been texting back and forth with a couple of club members and uh, I, i'm never going to live down the fact that i called uh, uh, billy courtney uh, our former socal vp and current uh, v1 holder i called him a checker for some reason i don't know apparently too many cocktails at the at the awards banquet but the awards banquet seemed to be fun uh, I had a good time. Looked like everybody else had a good time. Looked like the uh, looked like there were a lot more people there at the awards banquet than there have been in the in a in the few years past. And in the next, uh, I'm not going to say the next wide open podcast, but in the near future, we're going to announce what it is that we're going to do different for the awards banquet in 2020. So it would be to give away the awards for 2019, but it will be in 2020, and we've completely throwing it on its ear. It's going to be something completely different. I think everybody's going to love it. So that's a little cliffhanger. We're going to keep that a secret for right now. We're working on some of the details, but we've got the the broad strokes of that whole thing pinned down. It's going to be freaking awesome. Okay. Uh, After that, we rolled on to the four races Desert Scramble. I raced that race. 
listen, hats off to four races. They did an epic job with that race. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a it was a fast race. Really dug you know what they had done. They you know they all with four races with their desert scramble. They always throw in like a you know ten or twelve miles, uh, something difficult for their reloop. I absolutely loved everything that they did with their reloop. It was great. You know had a lot of fun. You know rode hard. It was I didn't have the the finish that I was hoping for, but I would imagine that every one of us that's listening that races. If you don't win, then you say, I didn't have the finish I was looking for. So I guess that's where I was at with that. Uh, then we moved on to the Prairie Dogs Grand Prix. And if, as uh, seems to have been the case for the past three or four years, it fucking rained like a son of a gun at the Prairie Dogs GP. So it turned turned into a mutter at Glen Helen. And I think I'm still washing Glen Helen mud off of uh, the bike that I raced there. But, hey, Prairie Dogs are troopers, and they know that the... They know that they can anticipate that they're going to have rain there. Any club that goes out and has custom-made rain suits for their club with per, that says their club name on it knows that they're going to have rain at their race. And every prairie dog out there was wearing a custom-made prairie dog rain suit. And they had rain, and it was, it was just a muddy mess. But it, listen, for me, uh, I don't care what race is put on there, who puts on the race, what the weather conditions are going to be. I'm going. If there's a race at Glen Helen, I'm racing there. Uh, it's just one of those places that you absolutely, you, you got to race there. If you haven't raced there, you know, the next race that's going to happen there is going to be the Prairie Dogs uh, Sprint Enduro there. You have to write that one down on your calendar. You got to go. I mean, anything that happens at Glen Helen, you have to go. It's, I mean, it's legendary. You got to race at that place. So great job by Prairie Dogs putting on that race. It was freaking epic. The following weekend was HBMC, the dual Euro scrambles out of Slash X. I raced on Saturday out there. Again, I didn't win, so it wasn't the finish I was looking for, but I had a great time. Thought uh, the Saturday course was awesome. Loved it. Flatted halfway through the first loop, and but rode three laps on a front flat tire trying to catch back up. Just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's a points whore, and, I, you know, I'm chasing chasing points every time you know every year i go out there thinking that i'm fast enough to get a number one plate and at the end of every year you know i i have to realize the fact that i'm not but right now i'm at the point of the year where i think that i can and that's awesome that's one of the cool things about racing district races and chasing points and how many races we have throughout the year is that for the majority of the year every one of us for a little while can think that we're a number one rider or a top five rider or a top 10 rider. And we go out there and we chase those points thinking we can. And you know, it's a long freaking season. It takes a lot to get a number one plate. It's not necessarily the fastest guy. It's the guy who's the, you know, can, can soldier through injury. It's the guy that managed to keep his bike together, guy or girl who managed to keep their bike together for 20 good rides. There's a lot of things that factor in to earning that plate. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But then I skipped the Sunday race. I heard reports of what Sunday that the that the other course was great. I skipped the Sunday race to go down and race uh, the six hour, uh, hosted by Three Brothers, and I was fortunate enough to be able to ride on a team uh, with Ricardo Barbosa, the owner of Three Brothers, and with Jerry Grabo, the former District 37 president. And and I'm not uh, too humble to say that we freaking crushed it. We rode in the MAG Expert class, and we crushed it. I want to say that we finished with, uh, I don't even remember how big the lead was, 13 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. It was an epic ride. Can't wait to go to the 10-hour. 
and try and finish this thing out, you know, with the 24 and hopefully earn a Mag Expert Championship in the in the Endurance Series. After that, rolled on to Prospectors. Prospectors puts on their West Air Scramble out at Gorman. I absolutely love all the races that we do at Gorman, and I really love the Prospectors race because while that course in and of itself is challenging, racing two and a half hours as fast as you possibly can, that adds a whole other level of, uh, to challenging. Um, I had just bought a new bike. I, I'm riding a brand new Honda 450RX. That was the first race on that bike. I got to tell you, if you're a Honda guy, go buy that bike. There are guys that like the Euro bikes, KTMs and whatnot, so you're not going to convince those guys to get on a Japanese brand. Um, I've bounced back and forth between the Hondas and the KTMs. I've had moderate success on the KTMs. I've had much success on the Hondas, so I went back to the Honda, and I love that bike right out of the crate. I put the hand guards on it. That's the only thing I had done to the bike prior to racing this race. I learned pretty quickly that in that particular race that a bigger tank is necessary. Um, rode up front with the, the guys that are leading in the mag class, which is where I wanted to be. But unfortunately, I can't run, as, I can't run enough laps uh, to stay with those guys because I ha kept having to pull off and pull off to refuel. Uh, I'm sorry, this podcast is starting to sound like me, 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 me. Uh, but in any event, it was an epic event. I, I, I just love that race. Uh, unfortunately, had a bad get-off while I was there. Uh, banged my head pretty hard. So I can't give you a report from Dirt Diggers because I didn't go. I thought it was best to stay off the bike for a little bit. Um, so I, I skipped that race. All the reports that I got back from Dirt Diggers uh, were that they did a really good job with their race. It was lots of fun. I mean, it's beautiful in desert right now. There's, you know, flowers everywhere, most especially up in uh, Red the Red Mountain area, and that's where they host their event. And so from all the feedback I got from everybody that went, it was an epic event. Then last weekend, just a couple of days ago, Los Coyotes Sprint Enduro, <clears throat> second round of the, of the new Sprint Enduro series, and I went out there for that, but again, still feeling the effects of, uh, of banging my head. So I, I decided that it was probably a good... Probably a good idea not to race that race. <coughs> Excuse me. I decided it was probably a good idea not to race that race. And so I went out there just to watch and take some video and, and watch what was going on. And I got to tell you, they absolutely hit it out of the freaking park. That, so for those of you that raced the first round, they had uh, two loops, uh, an AB loop and a CD loop, and you rode those loops over and over and over and over again. And based on the feedback that we had gotten from that race, Los Coyotes switched it up a little bit. So they had three loops, and each loop was progressively harder. And then they broke up their weekend. They, they made it a weekend of racing instead of a day of racing. They had novices and beginners race on Saturday, and they had and then certain age classes, and then experts and amateurs race on Sunday, and you rode the, the first special, the second special, and the third special, each one progressively getting harder, and you did that twice. The feedback that we got from all the riders that went out and rode that, they loved the new format with uh, running three loops instead of one. They thought the mileage was, was pretty good. Um, they liked that it progressively got harder as you, as you worked your way through. Add to that, it was an ISDE qualifier, so we got to see some guys from all over the West Coast come down and try and qualify for ISDE. You know, in addition to the regulars that we normally have that are coming, you know, some of the hot shots, you know, that are racing District 37 on a regular basis. For those of you that didn't go, 
Uh, day one was taken by District 37 zone Jacob Argerbright. And day two was taken by Dante Oliveira, who spends most of his time racing works, but he's trying to qualify for ISDE, so he came out to race one of the District 37 Sprint Enduros. Um, the way they work those things is they're managed by time. <coughs> I apologize for the cough. I'm fighting a cold. They're managed by time, so when it was all said and done, Jacob took the overall for the two days based on time. But it was a lot of fun to go out there and watch all the different riders that came. So in addition to all the district regulars that come to these come to these races, we had a lot of big names show up to race this particular race. I already mentioned Jacob Argerbright. We had Justin Seeds, Axel Pearson, and Nick Burson from the Purvines Racing Team show up. We had Trevor Stewart. Uh, along with uh, Preston Campbell, both from JCR Honda were out there racing. We had Tara Geiger. I mean, Tara Geiger. I mean, she's freaking famous. She also rides for JCR. She was out there as well. Uh, we had local uh, District 37 legend Nick Garvin was out there racing, along with Nick Stover. Uh, I mean, so I'm talking about, you know, a whole handful of, of, of really fast kids that showed up out there. I call them kids. I guess I'm old. Uh, a whole bunch of fast kids come out there. Uh, and, and to come out and race the round two of the Sprint Enduro Series, that thing has really taken off. So we were looking at the, you know, the first, just for, if you're kind of curious about how that thing stacks up, we had uh, 280 entries show up for the Hilltoppers round, which was the opening round. And they had, I think, 323 entries uh, show up for the second round. So it's gradually growing. District 37 ridership asked for something new. We got together and sat down with a bunch of clubs and, and, looked at what it is that we could do that would uh, be attractive to the ridership, came up with this, and slowly but surely it's growing. So we can't thank you enough for the rider, anybody that's listening to this, for coming out and trying something new, trying, some, you know, hey, we're doing, we, you say what you want, we listen. That's evident by you guys saying what it is that you would like to see different from the Hilltoppers round to the Lost Coyotes round and them making a change. So, Shifting gears. Ever since I became president, I've been on this. Uh, I've been on this marketing campaign. One of the things that I he heard from a lot of riders that that spent some time racing in a bunch of you know, at a bunch of different places that nobody knows what District Thirty Seven is, who District Thirty Seven is. So I came up with this silly idea that hey, we're going to try and brand District Thirty Seven. And so you probably heard me say a bunch of times, and you see it in all the social media posts. District Thirty Seven is the place to race. And so we're starting to attract some new riders, right, you know, that are coming in. And they and so the question has been posed to me, what exactly is District 37? And there may be a lot of people that are racing in District 37 now that don't really know what District 37 is. Okay, District 37 is not a racing organization. Okay, District 37 is actually AMA District 37. And AMA District 37 is a geographical area as determined by the AMA. So AMA District 37 is the largest AMA-sanctioned area in the country. And it spans from as high as Mono County, which is all the way up by Mariposa, Merced. You know, so in our, in our district, these counties exist. Mono County, Madera County, Fresno County, Kings County, Tulare County, Inyo County, San Luis Obispo County, Kern County, Santa Barbara County, Ventura County, Los Angeles County, Orange County, 
San Bernardino County, where we host most of our races, and Riverside County. That's how big AMA District 37 is. Now, even with all that, AMA District 37 is not an organization. Okay? What makes up AMA District 37 are the clubs that host races within AMA District 37. That, you know, I'm the president of AMA District 37, but all that means kind of is that I help to manage what the clubs are doing and help them to, to succeed or, you know, we kind of go in a direction. We, we're kind of the, the protection for the club because each club is kind of run kind of how district is. And there are, sev there are several clubs, 19 active clubs to be, to be precise, that operate within District 37 and they host those races those AMA sanctioned events within District 37. So when you go to an AMA District 37 event, you're going to an event that's hosted by a club. And all of those clubs are Hilltoppers, SoCal MC, Desert MC, Dirt Diggers MC, Four Aces, Prairie Dogs, Huntington Beach Motorcycle Club, most of you know it as HBMC, Prospectors, Lost Coyotes, Rovers, Shamrocks, Badgers, Riders Under the Sun, or Ruts, Invaders, uh, United Motorcycle Club or UMC, Hundreds MC, Viewfinders, Checkers, and Vikings. And then there are organizations within District 37, such as RHR, that also host events within AMA District 37. So I thought it would, thought it would probably be a good time to kind of throw that up because a lot of people ask that question and they don't really know. So AMA District 37 has been around for 60 years. So for 60 years, we've been hosting all different kinds of events within the boundaries of AMA District 37. And they haven't always been desert races. They're, they've been flat track races. They've been uh, you know desert races, enduro races, motocross races, scrambles races, all different types of races in the 60 years that AMA District 37 has existed have been hosted within the boundaries of AMA District 37. So I say that because there, you know, there, there's all kinds of land. We race predominantly, when we're racing in the desert, we race predominantly in two different areas. We race in the Johnson Valley area, or we race uh, in the Red Mountain area, Ridgecrest area. Um, we have other areas that are available to us. Uh, recently, some land has been expanded. Uh, so we have some additional land in the Johnson Valley area. We have a tremendous amount of additional land available to us in the you know, Red Mountain area, Wagon Wheel, if you race out in that area. We have a little bit of land that has been added to, uh, to El Mirage. If any of you have gone out and play, play road in El Mirage, uh, you know, that's a, that's a real touristy destination for the, for the weekend rider, guys that don't race, but there's a little more land that's been added to that. So that was one of the one of the bills that Trump signed, it's something that, uh, that had been, that's been in the works for a number of years. Back when Jerry Grabo was president, he, can, you know, he was working on that really hard. Um, he continued his work with that when he became the district le legislative officer. And it, you know, along with you know, his hard work and the hard work of many others that he, you know, he's grouped with, uh, that bill managed to make it through Congress and then Senate and then was signed by President Trump. And now we have a little more additional land. And that land, we're working on it right now to make sure to find out exactly when that land is going to be available uh, to the clubs that I just mentioned for them to start kind of expanding their horizons so that we're not riding on the same terrain that we have been riding on for years and years. So all of those things are, are good things, all positive things for the future of District 37 racing as you know it.
Um, so one of the things that I, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's my job. I like to talk. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I talk to a lot of people and I ask a lot of questions. A lot of people feel comfortable just coming up and telling me what they think. You know, hey, I think, uh, I think whatever you're doing sucks. Or, hey, I really like what you're doing. And I, I, I want to hear it all because I don't want to hear a bunch of people tell me, hey, man, I think you're, it's awesome. Everything that's happening is awesome because you're never forced to, you know, to kind of get out of your comfort zone and try and do something better. If everybody said everything we were doing was awesome, that Sprint Enduro series never would have happened. If everybody said, oh, man, I love everything, everything's awesome, the growth that you see in, in Big Six never would have happened. So people telling us, hey, we'd really like to see something different or, hey, we think you're missing the mark or whatever, uh, you know, all of that stuff, it lights the fire under us for us to continue pushing and thinking outside the box and trying to find different types of things to, to make District 37 the place to race, to make racing in District 37 the absolute pinnacle of racing. There's a theme here, and I want you to remember this, a few podcasts from now, we're working on something really exciting in District 37, and it, it's going to start a whole marketing campaign that we think is going to bring people back to old school desert racing in District 37. District 37, I say District 37 is the place to race, District 37 was the place to race, District 37 has always been the place to race. Everybody earned their bones as a desert racer racing in the California desert. This is where it happens. There are a handful of clubs that have decided to take it upon themselves to bring that back. So those are exciting announcements that we're going to have in the next month or so. So you just keep tuning in. You keep checking your phone for the, for the updates uh, that another wide open podcast has been published. So you can get on there because one of those is going to tell you what it is that we've been working on. And I'm telling you, you're going to be super stoked. It's really exciting. So that brings me to another topic. Since we're kind of in the theme of talking about District 37 and how things work in District 37, you may be wondering why it is that, or how it is that clubs decide when it is that they're going to host their events. Why do some clubs host their events in January? And why do some clubs host their events in October? And how does that whole thing work? Well, the way that whole thing works is that we have a thing called date board and date board happens next week. So all the clubs get together in a room. We have a big calendar for with all the dates available for 2020 and the clubs one by one select the weekends that they want to host their events. And the way that they, the order that they select their, their events is based on how it is that they finish in their overall points for the year. So if a, so for instance, uh, if a club has a lot of members that are racing, they earn, so for every point that a club member earns, those points go towards the club. And at the end of the year, all those clubs are accumulated, or all those points are accumulated, and the club with the most amount of points gets to choose first. And then it works its way down from there, you know, first through, you know, 19th, since we have 19 desert clubs that are, or 19 clubs that are actively, you know, participating, you know, not all of them host desert events. So that's the way that it works. So some clubs have historic dates. They've always hosted their event uh, in a particular month. Other clubs kind of bounce around trying to find, you know, find their rhythm of where it is they'd like to be. Some clubs have hosted their events for a long time in one particular month, and they just say, hey, you know what? We think we want to change. We want to try a different type of race, and we want to do it in a different location on a different month. And that's how that whole thing works. And a lot of what I found lately over the past few years is that a lot of, that clubs are start. it used to be, it was real cutthroat in that room. You know, 
you know, the number one club can go and choose whatever date they want. But here's the twist. They have the right to choose whatever date they want. But if, let's say, forever and ever and ever, I'm just going to pick a random club. Forever and ever and ever, HBMC has been on one particular date. And Prospectors decides they want that date. And they get to pick before HBMC. Well, they just go and they put their, they decide they're going to pick that date. Well, HBMC may pick after them and say, hey, that's always been our date. And they can pick the same date. Okay, and then what happens is it goes to a vote in the room. So anybody, everybody that's there that uh, that has the that has earned a voting right, they will either vote for HBMC to have the date or prospectors to have the, have the date. So it can become a little contentious uh, in that room when it comes to date boards. So what I've found, or I've seen over the past couple of years, is that prior to date board, clubs start working this stuff out beforehand about you know, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to, we'd like to be on this date. What do you think about being on that date? And they seem to be working this out for the, you know, for the betterment of their club and for the betterment of, of District 37 racing as a whole, which is really great. It's you know, something that, that uh, we haven't seen in the past and we're starting to see a little more now. Clubs working together to try and make sure that, that uh, whatever it is that they do isn't going to negatively affect a club that comes after them and how can that whole thing work. So, you know, so... For the average district rider who's not a not a club member, or even a some of you may be in clubs and aren't familiar with how the whole process works, you know that next Thursday all the clubs are going to get together and they're going to decide what date they're going to take uh, for their race in 2020. And then, just because that's what they've decided next Thursday doesn't necessarily mean that's when they're actually going to have their race because there seems to be quite a bit of negotiation that happens beyond that uh, before we before the drop-dead date of finalizing what our calendar is going to be. So lots of moving parts. And all of those moving parts and everything that happens with date board, it affects all of the other racing that happens within just in general, not just within District 37. Because District 37, you know, as, as I said earlier, District 37 is the largest AMA district in the country. But that doesn't mean that we're the only racing organization. There are all other kinds of racing organizations that aren't necessarily AMA affiliated. So the the other racing organizations who aren't AMA affiliated, like Works and Best in the Desert and SRA, you know, they they're looking. We choose our dates a lot earlier than all of those other racing organizations choose their dates. So. In years past, we've had all of these conflicts, you know, so you may have riders that, you know, if you're a GP guy and all you, all you want to ride is GPs, you've asked this question a million times. Why is it that we have so many conflicts between big six races and works races? And I've talked about this on other podcasts about how, listen, there's a, we have, we have always wanted to work to make sure that there are no conflicts. Listen, I'll be honest with you, and this is not uh, trying to sound arrogant. It doesn't affect District 37 in the least, whether we have a conflict. Okay, but it affects other racing organizations. But but even larger than that, and more importantly than that, it affects the rider. Because the rider may, if you're a GP guy, you may say, hey, you know what, I look, I'm not, I'm not into the desert stuff. That's not what I want to do. Okay, what I want to race is GPs. And I want to race as many GPs as I possibly can. So us not having any conflicts with works means that a GP rider can race all eight of the big six races. He can race all nine of the works races and he can race all of the SRA GPs. 
And that's our, that's our goal is to make sure that we don't have any conflicts. And that's not just with the Grand Prix series. We have, we have desert races that conflict with NHHA races. Okay, and that and right there, that's a problem. That's again not a huge problem for District Thirty Seven, but it's a huge problem for for Naha because, you know, let's be honest, the District Thirty Seven rider that travels to follow that series is really the lifeblood of that series. Um, I mean, I I'm not trying to discount anything that happens in any of the other states. They have their local following, but there's a huge amount of, you know, look, we just, we just said it and we just talked about the areas that, you know, how far district 37 spans all of the riders that come from district 37. That's a lot of riders. We have the largest ridership. And if a if that ridership decides they want to follow a series, well, we make it difficult for them to follow a series. If we can't work out our conflicts to make sure that, you know, a rider who wants to chase a, a desert plate uh, in district 37 uh, can and also wants to chase a national plate can do both without there being any conflicts and they don't have to make any choices between uh, okay so what district race am I going to skip to go race a national race or what national race am I going to skip because I need to race this district race so I bring all that up because we're actively working to make sure that we can try and and minimize the amount of conflicts listen our schedule is pretty huge uh, so it makes it it's probably next to impossible for us to guarantee that there wouldn't be a conflict between at some point between a District 37 race and a race that some other racing organization holds. But we're doing our very best with the various organizations that operate within District 37 and all the District 37 clubs that make up District 37 to make sure that we don't have a significant amount of conflicts so that a rider can choose what they want to do and, and then follow and race those series. So that's, uh, that's kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit on, on what it is that happens behind the scenes. Um, there are, there's so much that happens within District 37. You know, I got home yesterday and, and uh, Lisa was asking me, ah, what, you know, how was your day? Because I actually have a job that I, I, I like go to and, and I pretend that I actually work there. But I spent the majority of my day yesterday working through all of these different things or dealing with all these different things or just you know answering phone calls about all these different things that happen within District 37. Something to do with the uh, you know with the GP race. Something about uh, the Sprint Enduro race. Where's the club trailer? What's happening with the radios? Have we got all our scoring stuff worked out? How are we going to get everything worked out for 29 Palms? Um, hey, I've got a call with some clubs that are trying that, that are trying to organize something. You know, there's a lot of things that happen. You know, hey, that's my job. I I I wanted the job. I I put up. You know, I. I threw my hat in the ring. I love every second of it, but there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes from a lot of hardworking volunteers to make sure that all of this racing happens. And I tell you what, every single bit of it is worth it. When I go out to a race like I did last weekend and I see smiles on the, on the faces of the riders and people, I, you, there, are, there were riders that went to that race that afterwards went and found uh, Eric Jones or a Lost Cody member and told them, hey, man, this race was freaking epic. I loved every bit of it. Okay, that all makes it worth it. That's that's why we do this. It, and, and you know what? Somebody's going to come after me and love this stuff as much as I do, and they're going to keep doing this. Maybe that next person is listening to this podcast right now. Okay, Maybe someone listening to this podcast just heard what it is that I said about about club involvement and how clubs put that on, and they're a guy that just or a girl or family 
that were just coming out and kind of racing and they decide, hey, you know what? I want to be part of a club because I want to put on one of those races because I want to be part of the difference. I want to be one of those people that helps to make sure that desert racing and District 37 racing lives on forever. Okay, 12 years ago, I found this thing. I didn't know what it was. And 12 years later, I'm here you know, doing everything I possibly can to make this the, the absolute best place to race. The next person that's going to do that is might not even be racing District 37 yet. They might be in District 37. They it it might be who knows. Maybe it's Trevor Hoffman, our young our young vice president. Maybe it's Nick Stover. Maybe it's Nick Garvin. Maybe it's uh, Mason or Carter Klein. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's one of those guys. I don't know. Maybe it's someone that we don't even know yet. But they're. But what I'm telling you is, like my job is to make sure that. This is the funnest place to race, and, and I spend every day trying to figure out how I can do that. It's part of why I do this podcast. I love this stuff, and I love sharing. To, to steal a quote from Gnarly Dave and from Cameron Steele, I love sharing the stoke. I really do. I love everything about racing my dirt bike. I love everything about racing my dirt bike in District 37, and I, and I love almost as much as racing. I love talking about racing and district 37 racing and what district 37 racing used to be what it is now and what it could be and where we want it to go so there you go that's my pom-pom session for right now so before we wrap this up if you are new to district 37 and you're just checking it out you come to a race you come find me you ask anybody for brian and I'll tell you face-to-face what I just told you right now on this podcast. And I tell you what, by the end of the day, you'll be racing every single District 37 race from this point on. If you're racing District 37 right now and you're not in a club, I can't tell you how important it is to go join a club. The clubs I just mentioned, Hilltoppers, SoCal, DMC, Dirt Diggers, Four Aces, Prairie Dogs, HBMC, Prospectors, Lost Counties, Rovers, Shamrocks, Badgers, Ruts, Invaders, UMC, Hundreds, Viewfinders, Checkers, Vikings, they are the lifeblood of District 37. 19 different clubs, each one of them, 19 different flavors, feels, personalities. There is a fit for you. If you want to be in a club, you should, not even if you, you should be in a club, and one of those clubs is a fit for you. For me, I'm blue and white till I die. I was lucky enough to find the club that I should be in my, fir- my first go around. There are a lot of people that they've been in multiple clubs. It took them a while to find the right club. I got lucky enough to find the club that I should be in. <coughs> Excuse me. That club's my family. And most of the people who are in all of these clubs, they feel the same way. That's their family. So I encourage you, go out, talk to club members. Find something that's a good fit for you. It's good for the soul to give back. You're going to get more out of it than you put into it. I promise you. So, that's the end of my sermon. Thank you much for listening to the Wide Open Podcast. And as always, we'll see you at the races.